by St. Clair Health, expert care from people who care. Hello, today we are here at the Outreach Teen and Family Services Office. I'm Amna. And I'm Madeline. And I would like to introduce you, my friends and my sisters um, from SIGCAP. They, we are all go to Duquesne University. And so I'm here with my roommate, Rachel, and my other sister, Emma, if you guys want to say hi. Hi, guys. Hi. And so before we get everything started, we just want to have some fast I, fast icebreaker questions. So, Emma, favorite artist? I have an immediate answer. My favorite recording artist is Greta Van Fleet. <laughs> Love their music so much. I'm obsessed with them. She really is. Um, Rachel, what is a current TV show you're watching? I've just recently gotten back into Daredevil. I originally started watching it um, a couple years ago, and then I kind of forgot about it, so I'm re-watching that right now. Uh, favorite winner drink, Emma? My answer is going to be chai. However, <laughs> in the summer, I get the iced chai, and then in the winter, I get a hot chai, so it's kind of all year, but right now, hot chai for sure. Fancy. <laughs> um, favorite winter activity, Rachel? Oh, probably sledding. There's a really good sledding spot um, back in my hometown. It's called the Double Dips. I love going there. It's so fun. And for both of you guys, what are your majors? My major is digital media arts and marketing. And I'm a forensic science and law major. Awesome. Well, we would like to thank St. Clair Health for being our annual sponsor. At St. Clair Health, we're always improving, building on our commitment to face the challenges of today making an impact on the communities we serve so we can be stronger together. St. Clair Health, expert care from people who care. Um, so since we all go to Duquesne, we obviously have struggles. Um, and for me personally, I feel like my struggles have carried on from high school and still continue in college. So I was wondering if you guys felt the same way as me and what experiences did that come with and how are you guys coping with it? Yeah, I think a lot of it is really interesting as us in the time that we came in, especially with COVID. So in high school, it's always like, you know, finding that friend group and it kind of comes easily because you have known these kids forever. You've known them your whole life. And it's a little bit easier than even though we still struggle with it, coming into like a new city a lot of the time, a new school, people from all over. I think there's this really huge stigma where you're trying to come in and immediately find your group and it is really hard to do that. And I think we don't talk about how much harder it could have been for us with COVID as well. So I completely get that coming in like our freshman year was very hard and it does take a while, but you know, once you find your path and like your group, it gets a lot easier, but I do see how those things kind of carry over from high school from time to time. I definitely agree with that a hundred percent. I lived in a building where no one really talked to each other. So it was really hard for me to like make friends, especially first semester. I felt like I was just stuck in my room. And I kept telling myself that like, how is everybody finding all these friends? Like, am I behind? Like, is nobody like wanting to be friends with me? Like, is something wrong? And I think a lot of it was circumstantial because of COVID. Um, but I mean, it's definitely one of those things that you find in your own time. Like Emma said, like finding your path. I mean, I definitely have a great group of friends now. I wouldn't change a single thing of like how I did it. But in the moment, it was definitely super, super rough. Oh, yeah, definitely. I feel like it's much harder going to college because you're starting from scratch, where in some cases with some people, they grew up with their childhood friends throughout high school. Or 
it was easier for them to adapt because like they either had the same classes as them and everything. But definitely, like you said, going into COVID, everything was online. So it was definitely harder to make friends. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the root of my problem. Um, And that's why I made the decision to try out to be in a sorority and to see if this is what I really like. And usually um, I'm not a really, I never thought I'd be a sorority girl if that's like the term that I guess people use these days. Mm -hmm. Um, But I definitely would not regret it. Um, What made you guys decide to join a sorority? Yeah, I definitely really resonate with that. I had a really, really great group in high school and I was very attached to them. And I still am. We still talk every day. But coming into college, I was really starting from scratch. And I was kind of thinking back to what I did in high school when I felt that way. And What I did is I joined my dance team. I got really involved with the arts. I was in band and choir and all of that. And finding that group really helped me to feel good in high school. So I kind of took that and wanted to see what I could do in college to kind of mirror that. Mm -hmm. And so I was sitting there and I never really thought I would be like that sorority stereotype ever as well. But I sat there and I was like, you know what, let's just go through it. Let's see. And I, it was a huge part of why I decided to continue at Duquesne because COVID year was so hard. I didn't know if it was the school that I didn't like, if it was my major, I had no idea. So I was really considering transferring for the longest time. And I was like, you know what, let's give it this one last go. Let's get involved in something. And so I did. And it was like the decision that kept me here and really changed my entire college experience. And yes. that isn't to say that Greek life is the only thing that does that. I think if you just find your group, whether that's a club or like getting really involved with your major, once you find that thing that you're super passionate about, you meet people who are also passionate about that. And that makes your experience in college a lot better. And that's kind of why I decided to rush. I definitely agree. Um, I firmly believe in the term trial and error mm-hmm. and um, don't knock it till you try it. Oh, absolutely. And Before I joined the sorority, I was thinking about transferring. My mom currently lives in Germany, so I was thinking about, you know, maybe I should just drop and move to her because I miss her at the same time and I miss my friends and I'm not fitting in. And then I just remember seeing the flyers for sorority recruitment and I was like, you know what, let me try it. And if I don't like it, then there's other options. Mm -hmm. And I tried it and like you said, I never thought of anything else besides this now. Here we are. Yep. I mean, I definitely can mirror that experience as well. I actually was very indecisive about it. My sister is in a sorority in Bloomsburg, and she absolutely loves it. But obviously, Greek life is different everywhere. And when she would tell me about her experiences, I was always like, oh, I'm not sure if that's for me. You know, I I don't know if that's the type of sorority that I want to be in. Hers is definitely like Greek life is very different different there. But um I remember I actually didn't decide in time whether or not I wanted to rush and I actually missed the cutoff. And because of that, I remember feeling like super upset. And I was like, why am I so upset if I'm like not even attached to this yet? And I ended up like talking to my sister about it. I ended up like talking to a bunch of different sororities for continuous open bidding, COB, if you guys don't know what that is. It's just like talking to the sororities afterwards and you can still be accepted. And I remember... I like immediately clicked with SIG CAP and it was just very different than I expected. Um, Like Amna said, with trial and error, like trying to figure out 
what was a good fit for me. And it just turned out that SIGCAP just fit perfectly into my life. And I met so many amazing people and I've never looked back. I definitely agree. Um, well, I was just wondering, are there any like challenges that you face that are specific to being in a sorority? Is there anything well, like doing that that kind of pops up for you that comes up? Yeah, I think the thing that we face most often, especially in this time when we're nearing recruitment season, is the stereotyping of each sorority. And this is something that I remember talking to the sororities about a lot. And we're going to be PIKIs, which are the leaders for recruitment. And they're just kind of like the camp counselors for the group of girls going <laughs> through it. And um, the biggest thing that we trying to minimize is that stereotyping because people go into it um, with these stereotypes in mind and expectations expectations as well. And that kind of closes them off to a lot of doors. I think if this is something that you're coming into in college, you, you're not sure where you want to go. You have to keep it open mind. And so the stereotypes is something that I do think a lot of us, not just SIGCAP, but any sorority, any fraternity goes through often that would be my first answer. Yeah, definitely first answer. But I think another thing that people don't realize is there's definitely more than one way to stereotype a sorority or a fraternity. And obviously, many sororities and fraternities stand for different things. And people will take these stereotypes of what they think a sorority should be like. I mean, there's so many sites that I know of, just even for Duquesne, where like, there's like ratings based on mm -hmm. academics, based on like social life, philanthropy. And I remember one time, like I, me and a couple friends were like reading through them and some of them are so nasty, like very, negative. Very, mm -hmm. very negative. And I mean, I know girls in almost every single one of the sororities on campus. You cannot judge a book by its cover. Absolutely. I truly believe that. Like there is so much more to being in a sorority than going out or the philanthropy or the sisterhood. It's all of those things combined. And to like pick them apart, I think kind of diminishes the whole point of it. And I think that a lot of people do that from the outside looking in. And I mean, I will be the first to admit that I did that. Oh, me as well. I will be the first to admit mm -hmm. it. I definitely had certain expectations whenever I was rushing. And it was so amazing that like, as I met with more and more girls, they just kept breaking down these stereotypes and they made me feel so welcome. And I was like, this is just not what I was expecting at all. And so I think that it's important to recognize that like, there's definitely more than one way to stereotype a sorority and none of them I think are okay. I definitely agree. I think even just the feeling of belonging, you can't expect things as well to go your own way. Um, mm -hmm. Things always have a way of being different no matter what you choose at and you might want to be friends with this certain group because like you think that they're popular you think that they look perfect but in the end it's you can't judge a book by its cover you will find friends in the most unexpected ways like mm -hmm. I did Absolutely. um I would when I was first in college I had maybe like one friend and that was my roommate and then joining <laughs> a too. sorority <laughs> Same. I uh ended up with uh 81 girls yep and it's it's amazing I wouldn't I don't take it for granted at all mm -hmm. um we also want to talk about experiences mm -hmm. um do, and also just the topic of introverts and extroverts mm -hmm. especially um what would you guys say you guys are like are you an introvert extrovert both 
That's a really good question <laughs> and also one that I think about often with my transition from high school to college. In high school, I was very extroverted all of the time, very outspoken, silly, very loud. And <laughs> I, I love being that way. It's very much my personality. But coming through that switch into college my entire freshman year and even into my sophomore year, I was very quiet because I was scared. And that really, I feel like, hindered my self and how I felt about myself, you know? And that's why I think the sorority really helped me to get back to where I feel like I am as a person, um, kind of transitioning back into speaking my mind and being silly and doing what I want to be and all that kind of stuff. So I would say at my core, I am an extrovert, but I do find myself slipping back into my introverted ways when I do get nervous, you know? I think I can agree with that. I was definitely a little more extroverted in high school. Um, but once like coming into college and going again back to COVID, like there were so many hindrances that I wouldn't say I am an introvert now. I think that I present as an extrovert, but I think there are certain aspects of my like being, I guess my characterization, if you will, that are somewhat introverted. And I've always been a firm believer that no one is completely an extrovert or completely an introvert. I think all of that depends on your surroundings and it depends on the people that you're with. Like, for example, what Emma was saying, like how she was more introverted at the beginning of the semester. I mean, I didn't even know her until mm -hmm. what, like October? Right. I remember <laughs> just beginning to get close with you and you, Amna, as well. And it took a lot for me to do that because I was so nervous. Yeah, I remember nervous. you were cooped up in your room. I was so nervous. I was playing your guitar. <laughs> yeah, but once I did that, like, I don't think anybody really expected my personality out of me. <laughs> oh, I didn't. <laughs> because I was very quiet. I very kept to myself. And there's not a problem with that at all. It's just not who I am, you know? Yeah. And once I kind of showed that to everyone, I think everybody was a little caught off guard for a minute. They were like, oh, I didn't know you had that in you kind of thing. But I am happy. I'm much happier now. That's awesome. It just sometimes takes that. Yeah. yeah it just I think it just frequently changes, oh, you know? Absolutely, yeah. You can be both at the same time, mm -hmm. but I think for me, I every year I'm something different. I'm either <laughs> extroverted one year, introverted one year. It always changes. Mm -hmm. um, but going off of that... Um, we can talk about social anxiety. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, I think we all have experiences that involve social anxiety. So I was wondering, in what ways do you guys cope with it, um, adapt to it, especially in public settings when mm -hmm. we're at parties or we go to formal or even just at sisterhood events, you know? Yeah, I think for me, it's constantly just taking little steps forward to push myself from time to time because I... Um, I get very nervous very quick. I'm not a very good public speaker most of the time, but I think um, especially with college and exposing ourselves to so many different kinds of people in Greek life, I've kind of been taking little steps forward and depleting my social anxiety a little bit more and more as time gets, as time goes on. And I think just kind of taking those steps as you feel needed for yourself is the way that I did it and I, the way that I think most people could benefit from if that's something they want to work on. I think little steps is definitely a good way to start. But for me, I think the way that I normally deal with any sort of social, especially in like 
a more public setting, I always like to ground myself. And that can be in so many different ways. Like I know in a lot of situations, like when I'm out and I'm just not really feeling great, I'm just like very nervous about things. A lot of times I'll talk to Emma, I'll talk to Amna, I'll talk to, yeah, take Mm -hmm. a step back, kind of remove myself from the situation and allow myself to kind of ground my feelings and ground into myself so that I understand why I'm upset so I can attack it and I can understand like how to move forward with the little steps. Mm -hmm. And I think it's so important to, I mean, obviously you should not be depending on a single person for all of this. I think a lot of it has to come from yourself. But I know for me personally, like if it's really bad, sometimes like I'll always reach out to somebody that I trust, somebody that knows how I act and kind of talk talk to them, like have them talk me through it. And it really does help like center yourself. And when you're in those situations, I think that's the most important way to handle it. Because in the end, like, only you truly know yourself and how to help yourself. So whenever you ground yourself, you just feel much safer. That's at least how I would describe it. I I think I feel much safer when I can ground myself in my emotions and understand why I'm feeling this certain way. I definitely agree. Um, I think the precautions that I take and the steps that I take to help me ground myself like you said is if I'm at a setting let's say a frat party or something like that Mm -hmm. and I feel very overwhelmed the lights are on me the music's blasting and I just I need to be out of here I'll get out of there Mm -hmm. I always tell myself before I go anywhere if I don't like it you can leave nothing's gonna happen you know I think that's something um that a lot of times people feel pressured into Mm -hmm. you know and once I kind of stood my ground with where I felt comfortable and where I knew my limits were, I started to feel a lot more comfortable going to things like that because I knew as soon as I didn't want to be there anymore, I could just go and I would always have somebody there to support Mm -hmm. me through that as well. I was going to say, that was the other thing I was going to say because like having somebody there who understands that, I know there's been multiple times where either Amna or I just aren't really feeling it. We're just like not really wanting to be there the social anxiety is high and we'll just kind of go up to each other and be like hey do you want to just leave like yeah we like, can do just, you just want to go grab a pizza, pizza? Just go, grab a- <laughs> like, yeah. go grab a pizza go back to the apartment calm down watch a movie yeah just relax yeah, exactly I used to feel so pressured going to parties going to this every Friday and Saturday it's and now it yeah and now I'm just whatever happens I don't care I'll that's hear I'll hear about be. anything that happens during the week you know right. and that's totally <laughs> fine I just sometimes you need to watch a movie and to relax and to hang out with the people that you love the most you know right and I think that matters because in the end for us college students after four years I mean we'll see each other but it won't be like how it used to be unfortunately right so I think it's great to take that time to especially with people that you care about the most Mm -hmm. yeah it's good that you that you guys have such a good system on like on knowing your limits knowing Mm -hmm. when it's like okay this is too much like I think that's a really important um, thing to know about yourself, like having that that awareness. Um, so yeah, I would like to pause and thank St. Clair Health for their generosity in sponsoring the first season of Teens Tap In. At St. Clair Health, we're always improving, building on our commitment to face the challenges of today, making an impact on the communities we serve so we can be stronger together. By creating reliable resources that recognize all of our neighbors, with access to the highest quality healthcare, advanced care close to home, and a shared humanity that delivers on our joint vision to create a healthier community for all. 
St. Clair Health, expert care from people who care. So now we're going to move on to the second half. And I don't know, I, I think for this, we could talk about just, you know, stories, sharing some stories and um, whether that deals with social anxiety or any other struggles you guys have dealt with, how do you deal with them? Um, and in a broad sense, really, this could be about anything you want to talk about. So, yeah, I mean, I think my first thought about my social anxiety was moving into the wing our sophomore year. So mm-hmm. this was our first experience being together in this sorority. And for me personally, I moved off campus the semester prior, so I didn't know anybody. And I knew you guys all have at least met each other or talked to each other. I really felt like the odd one out for a long time, and I was terrified to move in. And I remember getting there on the first day with my family and moving things in. And there was like a group of four of the girls. I think it was like Kate, Mia, a few of them. And they were like, oh, my gosh, Emma, how are you? Like, we haven't seen you. Um, And just it felt very welcoming, very off the bat. And it was such a nice feeling, very cleansing, I think, for my social anxiety because I was very terrified. And even from then on out, it did take me a while to kind of open up um, because I was very terrified for the longest time that because I didn't live on campus, because I felt like I didn't know anybody as well as everybody else knew each other, that I wouldn't be as included or be as accepted. And with time and all those little steps I think I took, some of them just being like leaving my room and sitting in the lounge with you guys for like 20 minutes, you know, from time to time. With those little steps, I kind of really opened up and it just became one of the best things about college for me so far. But it does take a while to get there if you do start feeling the social anxiety high at first. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would say um, the first story that comes to mind for me, unfortunately, isn't a very happy one. Um, It is talking about the same year. It was um, the beginning of sophomore year. And this was kind of before I had experienced like the party scene and going out and I was very nervous about it. And unfortunately the first one was filled with a lot of drama. And I mean, it wasn't necessarily concerning me, but I'm a person who's very empathetic and I was kind of like hearing all of these stories. And I remember just feeling so overwhelmed and I remember kind of like walking outside And there was like an outside like porch deck. I remember sitting there by myself, just kind of like trying not to cry, trying to like bring myself in because I was like, I don't know these girls. I don't, I don't want them to see me like this. I don't, I don't want to be the person who freaks out at a frat party and nobody wants to like deal with that, you know? And so I remember then later in the night, I thought like, oh, I'm fine now. I'm fine now. And I wasn't, I I wasn't at all. And I ended up walking off by myself. I did actually have multiple panic attacks that night. And it was something that was really, really hard for me because I had kind of expected to go into this party and it was going to be super fun. And we were going to be having like a really great time. It was somebody's birthday. Like it was supposed to be so, so fun. And here I was kind of defying the expectation. And like Emma said, we had just moved in. I didn't really know the girls super well. And so after all of this, very few people knew that this happened. I very much kept it to myself. And I remember going back to the wing and I remember just going into my room and I remember sitting on my bed and I'm sitting there, silent tears falling down my face, just trying to get it out, get it over with, you know? And my roommate walked in 
And she just looked at me and she's like, are you okay? And I was like, yeah, I just need a minute. She walks right back out. And that was one of the first moments that I knew she understood. And it became the beginning of a beautiful friendship between me and Nico. That was my roommate. And it was the first time that I felt truly accepted and that I was allowed to feel the way that I was feeling. And she completely understood and supported that. And she never went around saying like, oh, did you hear Rachel freaked out at the frat party? Like she never held it against me. She always supported me. And that continued for the rest of the year. And it definitely set the tone for how I felt going into these things, knowing that it was okay to not really be with it and just kind of want to go. And that's only grown since then. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I was at, at school for a week. Um, <laughs> so I don't really, I can't speak on college that much, but I can speak on social anxiety. Mm-hmm. And I remember um, I was in the marching band in high school and it was like nearing the end of one of the Friday night games. And um, one of my friends came up to me and this other girl and was like, hey, we're having this get together after, do you guys want to join? And I was like, sure. Like, I, I honestly didn't go to that many social things. So I was like really excited for it. And I remember I w- we got there and it was like, uh, there were like maybe 10 of us. And it was miserable because the- <laughs> it was so bad because the whole time, like, I felt very isolated because they started talking about politics Mm -hmm. and how they were all like agreeing. And I was Mm -hmm. sitting there and I was like, Oh God, I have nothing to contribute to this conversation. Like it felt very like polarizing. And I remember like not the best way to handle it, but I got in the car with my friend and I just like freaked out. She was like, Oh, like, you know, what's going on? And I just was like, I like, I just freaked out because I couldn't leave early because she was my ride. So I was stuck there listening to it. And I'm like, where, where is my, where do I belong? Like, Who, who am I? Why am I here? I thought this would be fun. And now I'm sitting here while people rant about, about other people. And it's just like, it wasn't my thing, you know? So it, and there have been, you know, a lot of experiences like that where I felt very out of place, unfortunately. And that's hard. Like, knowing knowing how to navigate that i'm still working on that but yeah that's something that happened in high school where it was like and just to note too because like i resonate with that so much you have no idea Mm -hmm. like it is so much more common than people think to feel that isolation when you're with all of these different people and it can happen at the randomest times too exactly Mm -hmm. like it is such a common feeling that i feel like people don't talk about because everybody thinks it's just them, but mm-hmm. it's not. Like there are so many different instances I can point out where you just feel like that isolation. Like, why am I here? Why don't I fit in like everybody else? And it's just absolutely. It's I'm just sure there's at least five other people in the room who feel the same way, but mm-hmm. they don't say it. It's yep. ter- it's it's hard. It's very hard to deal with. And you were talking about like going into like these party scenes for the first time with girls who we've only known for like a couple couple weeks at this point and I remember feeling that same exact way and had I known that you had felt that way at the time (laughs) I'm sure we would have come to some kind of agreement you guys would have met sooner than later we probably would have honestly (laughs) no I definitely get it um especially people who don't like to admit that they're feeling this way I'm Mm -hmm. definitely one of those people um I used to be the type of person that did not care 
never really got panic attacks or even in social settings Mm -hmm. got anxiety. But recently, out of nowhere, it just started happening, you know, and I've been trying to find the root of that problem. And I think I came to face it when I just realized that it just happens when you least expect it. And there you can find multiple roots. And when you solve it, you can solve half of it, but you're still going to feel that way no matter what. And um, usually I don't really tell people that, like I don't tell my roommates that or anything because I feel like an alien a lot. And, you know, when you first used that word, I feel like an alien. And I was like, okay, let's sit down and digest this. <laughs> yeah. And I realized it's totally fine to be an alien. It's totally fine to sit at home and not want to be with other people. It's totally t- fine to take time for yourself because you know that if you go into settings that you don't want to be at, it's going to either worsen it or it's just going to happen. You're going to be at a place that you don't want and you're going to be miserable. Absolutely. And I think the root of that problem that I'm facing now is because I've done that so many times where it's probably just started to take an effect in that type of way. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, pretty much. I remember this conversation that we had actually, like when you said that I feel like an alien, cause I remember exactly why that conversation was happening. And it was because you felt bad for not wanting to go out. And I was like, you don't have to feel bad about that. I think the reason why is just because, like, you guys know me and you guys know that I'm always hyper and I'm always ready to party and I'm always ready to go in there. And you know how to have a good time. Yeah, I just don't care, you know, and I think right now I'm starting to care and I don't want to do that. I want to go back to my old self and everything, but I think I have to learn to put myself first. And I think that was my problem, you know? It's definitely a really hard thing to balance, especially if that's not something you've ever been exposed to in high school. I had the same kind of struggles at the beginning of my year. And everybody was always like, Emma, I would love for you to come out. Like, it's going to be so much fun. And as much as I would have loved to have gone, I just didn't feel like I was in the space to do it at that time. And I felt bad for saying no. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know why I felt bad for saying no. And now I realize, like, making those decisions was very good for me in the moment because had I gone out, I would have had a really horrible experience, Mm -hmm. and I know that. See, I wish I would have known that because I definitely put myself in situations that I didn't need to be in. Mm-hmm. I think also the feeling of FOMO is real. Oh, it's yeah. so real. It's a hundred percent real. My aunt like, texts me that like every other day. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and like you, people will say that, but for me, whenever I say like I'm, I'm having FOMO, like I actually mean it, and I feel mm-hmm. like I regret it. Oh, it hurts. And it just yeah. So it that's does. why I always feel the need to go out and do all this stuff. But now I realize, you know what? I feel FOMO. It'll happen again, though. Mm-hmm. Something like this like, will you happen. You can always, always figure weekend. out what mm-hmm. happened. You can always talk, and it's always fun. And honestly, I absolutely love coming back and, like, talking to my friends about the weekend and everything that they missed, like, getting them to, like, tell me about what they did. Like, I think it's so fun to, like, share stories. Like, you don't always have to be there for it to be fun. Yeah. I think that sharing that is just as much fun. Yeah, it's definitely all about finding your own personal balance, because mm-hmm. it's not going to be the same for everyone. I feel like I am definitely somewhere in that middle, but for somebody who likes to go out more than they don't like to go out, totally fine if that works for them and vice versa. I think for everybody, it's just kind of trial and error, experiencing mm-hmm. what you like, what you don't like, figuring it out and moving from there. And, and I, it's a long yeah. process, but going through it, it really prepares yourself not only for college, but for your adult life and the things you're going to experience later on as well. Yeah. I think that's a great point to bring up that it's good to know your limits now and it's good to know what you like and what you don't like because it sets you up for the future and 
just you being happy and having your mental health for the better of yourself. Mm -hmm. Because if you know your limits and you know what you want and what you don't want, you can avoid the social anxiety maybe or depression or anything because you're knowing yourself, you know? And I think that's a great point to learn about, you know? And especially to just know that you have those tools to deal with the social anxiety when Mm -hmm. you do feel it. That's also very important because it's never not going to happen, you know? It's something everybody experiences more or less depending on who you are. But once you do, it's important to know that you have the tools to deal with that and to sit down, ground yourself, and figure out how to work through it. Exactly. Definitely back to grounding yourself. I knew I was onto something when I said that. <laughs> Trademark it. Trademark it right now. <laughs> Lastly, this podcast would not be possible without the support of St. Clair Health. Please listen to the following ad. At St. Clair Health, we're always improving, building on our commitment to face the challenges of today, making an impact on the communities we serve so we can be stronger together. St. Clair Health, expert care from people who care. Thank you to all of our listeners for your support. Next episode, we will talk with Todd Franco, a physician for the Pirates. Thank you, Emma and Rachel, for joining us this episode. It was a great conversation, and I'm sure a lot of people will love listening to your stories and experiences. So thank (laughs) you. Thanks so much for having us. Yeah, absolutely. The views and opinions expressed in the Teens Tap In podcast represent the opinions of the hosts and their guests. The views and opinions expressed by Outreach Teen and Family Services employees, donors, and volunteers are their own and do not necessarily reflect the view of Outreach Teen and Family Services or the show's sponsors. The content here should not be taken as counseling advice. The content here is for informational purposes only and because each person is unique Please consult your mental health provider or physician for any mental health counseling or other medical questions. The podcast should not be used in any legal capacity whatsoever, including, but not limited to, establishing a standard of care in a legal sense or as a basis for expert witness testimony. No guarantee is given regarding the accuracy of any statements or opinions made on the podcast. If you find any error in any of the content of the podcast, please contact us at podcasts at outreachteen.org. Outreach Teen and Family Services, its sponsors, donors, and partners expressly disclaim any and all liability or responsibility for any direct, indirect, incidental, special, consequential, or other damages whatsoever arising out of any individual's use of, reference to, reliance on, or inability to use this podcast or the information presented in this podcast. Please go to www.outreachteen.org to see the complete notice and disclaimer for the podcast episodes.